2: Some people say things never change in Washington, but last night something sort of changed. Ellen Nelson, you cover Washington for Vox. What changed last night?
3: Yeah, so Senate Democrats got some wonky procedural news that actually has some pretty big implications for President Joe Biden's agenda.
2: Okay, before we talk about what changed and what the news is, let's just talk about who changed something or who made the news? Who was it? Sure.
3: Uh, This is Senate Parliamentarian Elizabeth McDonough. She is basically the Senate's in-house rules expert who interprets hundreds, if not thousands. I don't know how many Senate rules there are, but there are a lot. So she is the person who
2: interprets the rules. And just as a reminder, because we've talked about Liz before. Can I call her Liz? Do you know?
3: Uh, I I don't. I'm not on a first-name basis with her.
2: Hi. Today Explains producer Will Reed here. I checked, and people do call her Liz. So we've covered Liz before on this show, and the funny thing about her is that unelected, yeah? Yes.
3: Elizabeth McDonough began working in the parliamentarian's office as an assistant parliamentarian. Elizabeth McDonough is the Senate's first woman parliamentarian and possibly the most praised Senate parliamentarian ever. Democratic leader Harry Reid promoted her to parliamentarian in 2012, and Mitch
2: McConnell has praised her fairness and judgment, calling her a brilliant lawyer. And the reason we've talked about her on the show before is because she came up a bunch a few weeks ago when Congress was trying to figure out whether it could raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour through budget reconciliation. The House is due to vote today on the $1.9 trillion plan to address the economic impact of the pandemic. But the official in charge of Senate rules says that raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour should be removed from the bill.
3: So ultimately, you know, Democrats are going to try to put a bunch of things in budget reconciliation bills. But she's kind of the decider um, who, who gets to say this can
2: stay in, this can't stay in. Okay, and what did the decider decide this time?
3: She basically decided that the technical language is she advised that a revised budget resolution may contain budget reconciliation instructions. So that is a confusing sentence.
2: She decided that a revised budget resolution can feature some budget reconciliation.
3: May contain budget reconciliation
2: instructions.
3: Basically, what that means in non-Senate speaker speak. Thank you. Is that that Democrats can basically go in and amend a fiscal year 2021 budget bill that they already passed. This was the budget bill that the COVID-19 relief plan was
2: in. That was the American Rescue Plan?
3: Yes. So essentially that bill has already been passed. It's been signed into law. But what she ruled is that they can go go in and amend that bill, essentially. What this means, broadly, is that Democrats have potentially more chances than they did at passing more budget resolution bills. And the reason that that is important is because they can get certain big priorities passed with a simple majority, so 51 votes, meaning that they don't need Republican votes. —
2: So, Just to make sure I understand how the Senate works here for a second. Our pal, the Senate parliamentarian, Liz, let's call her. She went in and said that the Democrats can amend something they've already done and thus gave them another opportunity to do something with their slimmest of majorities in the Senate. Is that right?
3: Yes, that is correct.
2: Why do they need to amend something they've already done to get something new done? Why not just do the new thing?
3: they can do the new thing. They probably will do the new thing. They will pass a another, you know, passing another budget resolution for the fiscal year for 2022 was already part of the plan. But they only had a limited number of times they could do this. It was sort of, you know, people had essentially been thinking that they could only do this a total of two times and that they had already used up one of those times. And essentially amending a budget resolution that has already been passed gives them up to 3 chances or you know potentially potentially more depending on what she you know if she gives them a hard stop after 3 so the idea is that Democrats can go back in to the one that was already passed, amend it to add, say, you know, President Biden's infrastructure p- plan that was just introduced or, or elements of that and then go and pass another budget resolution for fiscal year 2022, it essentially just gives them chances to do more stuff with more budget reconciliation bills.
2: And in theory, if they do the second budget reconciliation, which was for 2022, is that right? Yes. They could then amend that? and have, like, a fourth big thing? Is that right?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that we still don't totally know. And there's still a lot of questions that we have. Uh, And it's worth noting, you know, I have not seen the parliamentarian's, like, exact um, argument yet. We just got a statement from Schumer's office last night basically saying that she agreed with his office's argument of, of what, you know, this Section 304 said about amending budget resolutions. So, yeah, I mean, in theory you could amend a few budget resolutions. But I also think that, you know, I'm sure Republicans are going to be arguing there needs to be some mechanism in place so that Democrats, you know, essentially don't get, uh, you know, unlimited wishes or (laughs) unlimited budget reconciliation bills. I think that there will probably be some parameters around this that we have yet to see.
2: And you mentioned Chuck Schumer's office. Were they the ones asking about this potential amendment to an already-passed, Budget reconciliation?
3: Yes. His office was the one that that brought it up in front of the Senate parliamentarian.
2: So the Democrats are out there asking for sort of more chances to do what they can do with their slimmest of majorities. And here, last night, the Senate parliamentarian, appointed by Harry Reid a dozen years ago or so, was like, yes.
3: Yes, basically.
2: Is this how the government works now, Ella? (laughs)
3: an unprecedented thing. This is something that hasn't been done before. So it's kind of this like new frontier in Senate procedure. You know, Senate procedure can be kind of dry and boring, but it does have pretty big implications to what Democrats can get passed this year. You know, if Republicans took back the Senate in the midterms, it would have pretty dramatic implications for what they could do through budget reconciliation. And, you know, it's important to note that budget reconciliation um, has to do with budgets. It has to do with tax. Taxes, raising the debt limit, there are specific things that Democrats can pass with budget reconciliation and there are specific things that they can't pass with budget reconciliation. So this doesn't give Democrats this unlimited ability to pass, like, whatever they want through budget reconciliation. And, and we, again, have to remember that the same parliamentarian is probably going to be a big deciding force in, you know, what can get in and what stays out. Um, but yeah, this is this is a pretty big
2: deal. Well, Ella, we look forward to having you back to talk about the next time the Senate parliamentarian lets Democrats amend something to their next budget reconciliation bill for 2022.
3: Sounds good. I'm always here to talk about the the hot Senate procedural news. <laughs>
0: Today, explain.
2: Okay, so the Democrats in the Senate can do a little bit more than they thought they could do, but what are they gonna do? Lizo, Vox, what do you think?
4: There is a ton that they can do now because anything that's related to spending, taxes, and the budget technically falls under the purview of reconciliation. So that includes infrastructure. It includes um, massive caregiving investments as well as potentially healthcare legislation. So there's actually quite a bit available to Democrats. um, And what will really be interesting to see is if they can get all 50 members of their caucus on board to come together and support something.
2: Okay, so like a window has opened here, but it sounds like the things coming into this window are things we already knew that Democrats were gonna do or even doing like infrastructure, caregiving, which is promised to be next, even healthcare. What feels new to you? It
4: basically is another opportunity to do something without needing to get any Republicans on board. So that level of flexibility is helpful. Hmm. For example, Democrats can now focus their most immediate budget bill solely on infrastructure and try to sell it as this targeted package on you know, roads, bridges, broadband, electric vehicles, that kind of thing. And maybe they can use that next option to do a caregiving bill that also covers healthcare tax credits to make childcare more affordable for people.
2: I, I guess it feels like the question might be, like, how does this stuff really work? Like, does it benefit Democrats to just focus on infrastructure? Because I have heard there is a criticism of the infrastructure bill that, like, it's too many things versus... Throwing in some stuff about energy, the environment, even childcare in there. Will this help them in the long run sell stuff to their own members? Because it sounds like this is all about just those 50 votes, huh?
4: That's kind of the big reason you would break apart a bill. Because if you were to do infrastructure and childcare and healthcare all in one, you could see that being just a huge. Piece of legislation um, in terms of how much it would cost and also how massive it would be for lawmakers to write. And so if you're able to say, let's do infrastructure, that's $2 trillion, let's focus on childcare, which is another $1 trillion plus whatever the cost would be for everything else, you can make that a bit more palatable to both your moderate members Hmm. and also to Republicans who might try to paint Democrats as just spending so much money all at once. By breaking it up a little bit, you're kind of able to sell it in a way that is more accessible to people.
2: Is this like another way of sort of working around the filibuster, like getting rid of the filibuster without getting rid of the filibuster?
4: It's basically one way to do that, because if Democrats were able to eliminate the filibuster, then everything could pass with just 51 votes. Mm. Um, And since they haven't been able to, they're kind of relying on this to create another avenue to do the bills that our budget bills. Um, and so it's definitely a sign that they are trying to circumvent that particular challenge.
2: And if they were able to get rid of the filibuster, the things that would be coming down the pike are?
4: Voting rights, gun control, immigration reform, police reform, many priorities that Democrats have wanted that will not fall under you know what you call a budget bill.
2: Any news on that front? It sounds like Joe Biden's increasingly open to the idea. So you got to work for the filibuster.
1: So you're for that reform. You're for bringing back the talking filibuster. I am. That's what it was supposed to be. Look,
4: I think Yeah, he he has signaled openness and what the Senate is actually going to do next is to take normal votes on those bills. Mm. And what hopefully, you know, Democrats want to show is if you have unanimous Republican opposition toward everything. Um, That's a reason for Democrats to get rid of the filibuster and be able to advance the agenda that they want. It shows that there is no bipartisan support on any of the measures that we've talked about.
2: Hmm. Until then, it's all coming down to these 50 votes on budget bills. Do Democrats know that they have 50 votes on on infrastructure, on caregiving, on paid family leave, on health care?
4: They don't. There's a ton of dissent within the caucus itself. And even on something like infrastructure, for example, there's been an increase in the corporate tax rate proposed to 28%. And Joe Manchin has already said he's not into it.
2: As the bill exists today, it needs to be changed, Hoppy.
4: The bottom line is that's what legislation is all about. This bill will not be in the same form You've seen it introduced or see people talking about it. Joe Manchin has already said he isn't on board with the entirety of the For the People Act, which is Democrats' chief voting rights reform bill at the moment. Um, And so, like, you could plausibly see a vote where not all Democrats support some of these measures as well.
2: So at the end of the day, this development last night that came from the Senate parliamentarian's office, per Chuck Schumer's request, doesn't sound like it's much of a game changer, but what it is is an additional opportunity for Democrats to get some of the key things that they want to get done this year done. Is that about right?
4: Yeah, it gives Democrats more of an opening, but it also doesn't mean anything different for a lot of these key pieces of the agenda that weren't going to pass before.
2: So at the end of the day, it all just comes down to Joe. Yes. Manchin.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Joe Manchin.
2: Lizzo, she wrote about the latest hot Senate procedural news along with Ellen Nilsson. You can read all about it at Vox.com if this wasn't enough for you. Will we ever be enough for you? The Today Explained team includes Cecilia Lay, Will Reed, Halima Shah, Mooj Zaidi, and wait, what's that? Victoria Chamberlain? Miles Bryan? Wow, we got two new people and we are excited. Can you tell? Also some other people. Nafim Shapiro is our engineer. Amina Al-Sadi is our supervising producer. Liz Kelly Nelson is the editorial director of Vox Podcasts. Jillian Weinberger is the deputy. Facts check by Laura Bullard. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. And Breakmaster Cylinder may or may not, but probably may, make an appearance at our live show in April. It's April 9th, as in Friday. Friday morning, 10 a.m. on the internet via On Air Fest, which is a free storytelling and podcasting festival taking place this week and weekend register at onairfest.com if you're free around 10 a.m eastern friday the show will be about 30 minutes long onairfest.com for a live episode of today explained which is part of the vox media podcast network hope to see you there
1: Learn more today at sas.com slash viya.